0: Real Talk listeners, we're back. We are back. We are back back talking about, well, we just talked about quiet quitters, Michelle. I think, what the hell is quiet firing? Let's talk about this. This is a topic. You know what I think we should do moving forward?
1: We should make all of our podcasts how to explain HR buzzwords. Because honestly, doesn't it feel like the HR world in general has some other buzzy topic Ever so often. We always make them sound catchy, like quiet quitting
0: or at your wage. The great resignation. The great reshuffle. I'm like, reshuffle? What's going on with these buzzwords? Like, what the hell? So I used to believe, <laughs> and I'm still not sure
1: that I'm not wrong about this, but I used to joke, before I started taking classes in psychology, I used to joke that psychologists and psychiatrists make up words just to make the rest of us feel not as smart. (laughs) And sometimes I sort of laugh and I feel like different groups within corporate America, like HR, because that's who we're talking about, do the same thing. But here's an interesting sort of fact when it comes to... The concept of active wage, quiet quitting, and quiet firing is there actually buzzwords that people started using on TikTok first. Individual employees talking about the workforce, and then they started to get picked up by more reputable organizations. And so now you can find articles from Harvard Business Review or Wall Street or even stuff from SHRM, the Society of Human Resource Management, where they address these two topics, but they were really not buzzwords that were created by HR. We just sort of adopted them to try to get to the root cause of why it's happening and determine whether or not we need to address it. And so when it comes to quiet quitting, we defined that. And guys, we've told you this as well. Sometimes we define stuff so that we can have a conversation. And you might find another article that defines it just a little bit different than us. The idea is usually the same, but it helps to start with an agreed upon definition. And so the idea of quiet quitting is when someone gives the bare minimum, like I could do this much without getting in trouble. And that's how much I'm going to do When I come to work every day, it's the idea that they are potentially disengaged and have checked out on contributing potentially, but they still show up and collect a paycheck. I absolutely have known people in my life who were quiet quitting, but while it might have been a shock when they finally left the company, because people were like, I didn't even know because you never talked about anything they contribute what they're supposed to do until the very end. So what we talked about when it comes to act your wage or the concept behind that and quiet quitting is that you need to look at them individually as a leader and see if it is bad or not. Like, is it time for you to step in as a leader and course correct? Or are they contributing the amount that is expected Based on their job. So, the idea for quiet firing is one that anyone who has ever done leadership training wants to shake leaders for doing because they've been doing it since the dawn of time. It just now has a buzzword behind it. So, the idea behind quiet firing is when you as a leader want someone gone, but you are not willing or able to actually terminate them. So instead, you create work situations that are so bad in their mind that they quit themselves.
0: All right, Michelle, we have to talk about this. Give us an example.
1: I would love to. And one of my favorite examples, first of all, for those leaders out there, I hate to do this because I always hate when I feel like I'm probably, if any of you are religious, savior of your choice, whatever, I don't care. But if you're religious, you're going to get this concept. If you've ever gone to a religious event and whatever your religious leader happens to be that is speaking, talks about something and you feel like they're sermoned just for you, you're like, crap, were they at the club last night? What the heck? (laughs) That was a long time ago, Maria. But here's the thing, you guys are going to think That if you do this, you're going to think that I'm calling you out just because I'm trying to embarrass you. And that's not it. Everybody at some point tries to avoid uncomfortable confrontation. Even I do. And I love to argue with people. So it's okay. You've done it before. Get over it. I've done it before too. But I am going to start by saying leaders who do this, they do. (laughs) You're a coward. You were given that role. Yep. I said it, Maria. Maria you were given that role as a leader because the expectation of your role is to create a team that works together towards a common goal. It's really not super complicated. And if you are not willing to hold your team accountable when they are not performing and you are not willing to terminate employment if you have to, then I'm going to suggest that you step out of your job because you really don't deserve to carry the title of a leader. Sorry, I just got on my soapbox, but that's what I want to start with. Now, I'm going to give you an example that I've seen forever, even from my first job at the age of 15 in the restaurant industry. So in the restaurant industry, you don't tend to get stable scheduling. I remember when I left the retail restaurant world and I got my first corporate gig, the idea that I had the same two days off every week and I knew exactly what my schedule was, it was fantastic. That's not the way it works in retail or in restaurants. They typically, in smaller restaurants, they probably don't have a system that does this. They figure it out on their own. And they say things like, my busy days are Friday and Wednesday at noon. In larger companies, they have systems that tell them, When their trends are. And so it'll actually say things like, you need five people on Wednesday from 10 to 2, where from 2 to 5, you only need two people. And so in the restaurant industry, you tend to have a pretty jacked up schedule, different days off. You might be first shift one day, mid shift the next day, second shift the next day. It really is just all over the place, very little consistency. And what I've seen used when a leader is frustrated with an employee, maybe they don't have enough reason to actually fire them, but they don't feel like coaching them to get them any better, they're just done with them, is they start cutting their hours. The minute you start cutting someone's hours, they have to start asking you how long it's going to last because they need more hours because they have bills. And you go, I don't know. We'll pull you back when we need you. And then it goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks. They don't get hours. They don't get money. They can't pay their bills. They're sort of forced into looking for another job and leaving this job. I've seen those in hourly wage jobs, not manufacturing where you use basically their salary to make them miserable and they're sort of forced to leave on their own.
0: That's probably the easiest scenario that most people can kind of relate to. There's obviously some deeper aspects. I mean, I've seen some pretty treacherous leadership decisions. I think you have too, Michelle, in our days.
1: Yeah. And I think, Where you see this, where it gets astronomically bad is when that one employee that you're not actually willing to terminate, you give them all the crappy assignments, or you are always asking them to work the worst shifts, or you pit them against others by constantly rewarding those that you like while somehow penalizing this particular person. In my opinion, cutting someone's hours versus having a conversation, again, makes you a coward, suck it up and do your job. But you're right, it absolutely gets worse. It can get to a point where you isolate people. I have seen situations of different levels of toxicity where a manager inappropriately discusses said employee with their peers. And now you have the peers that are as frustrated as the boss is making that person's job even worse. Now, the biggest problem is where I have seen this in situations acting in an HR capacity, the employee usually can't be fired because they've actually done nothing justifiable to cause termination. The manager has just decided for some reason, that they don't want it there. So it's not a reason that you can track to a policy or procedure or work performance or values. It's not based on any justifiable reason for termination. And so since they can't get rid of them, they force the issue by making them miserable.
0: I have seen a... Case where, so the organization had to intentionally make financial cuts and a manager had to just pick a random person. So they let a person go for driving a different direction to go get food during their travel. I have seen that as well. Yeah. So People find reasons and it's very interesting.
1: It really, it's a a level of targeting that is so absurd that I don't even know how to not be on my soapbox.
0: And it's hard because they are very convincing to HR that this has been an ongoing issue as well. Like, oh my gosh, we've had several conversations where I've seen like decrease in their performance. Like they do all these like small nitpicky things Right. I've seen HR support these decisions. I have too. Honestly,
1: I would step back,
0: Maria. In my opinion, that's
1: the reason that HR gets a bad rap from employees is because in larger HR corporate environments, what they see is HR constantly supporting a manager in the company and not their... To support the employee. It always feels like they are skewed to believe the boss versus what they're hearing from the employee.
0: Well, and it's it's two different things. Like you said, in reality, it's not always the case. And HR is here to recommend. Can I tell you how many times I've told a leader they can't do that or the risk of firing someone? And someone has just said, you know what, I'll take the legal risk if they pursue it.
1: Yeah. That is. Also, a huge misconception about HR that leads to employees being frustrated with HR. We do not tell anyone what to do. We happen to be incredibly knowledgeable in workforce expectations, particularly people expectations, which includes legalities involving employment. And based on that, we look at situations, we look at them in comparison to other situations within the same organization, and we make recommendations on how stuff should be handled appropriately. For example, I've actually heard great HR people tell a manager that they do not recommend writing a person up for excessive tardiness because... They had three other employees that are excessively tardy for longer. And those other three people had never been written up. So you're right, Maria. We make recommendations on the fact that we see the big picture and we have that knowledge. We don't tell people what to do. By the way, I'm going to take that back. There might have been extreme situations where I've straight up told people what they didn't need to do. But those are usually extreme. Like we had... Two employees attack each other. And I straight up said, y'all leave it before you get arrested.
0: Yeah, it's true. We are advisors. We do strongly recommend. And in times of state safety, we can pursue decisions. But we are a business partner to the organization. And I think HR does get a bad rap for a lot of the situations. We can recommend. We don't require. People are still going to do what they want to do. We're just here to protect and advise. So. And they're gonna do things
1: like make people miserable so that they quit their job. So let's talk about some advice for leaders who are struggling. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. The very first thing that I'm gonna ask you to do, if you're in this place where you know there's an employee that frustrates you, you don't have justifiable reasons to seek to terminate and so, So instead, you are making their life unhappy at work. Step number one is I want you to pause and I want you to self-evaluate and determine what it is about this person that is making you so unhappy with their performance because that's what you hired them for. You didn't hire them to have the same political affiliations as you. You didn't hire them to have the same religion as you. You didn't hire them to agree with your every single statement. You hired them to come to work, be in a fairly decent mood, and perform a job. So I need you to pause and ask yourself if your frustration is coming from their performance or something from their personality. If it's coming from their personality, I need you to ask yourself if it's something that is detrimental to the effectiveness of your team. If it is not their performance and it is not detrimental to the team, I need you to suck it up and be a boss. But let's say for a minute that it is one of those things. You need to follow a process, whatever process your organization has in place. But I promise you the first step has got to be a conversation. If people would just have a conversation with someone, about their performance, we wouldn't all be jumping to termination or quiet firing.
0: It's true. And a lot of people are challenged with having opportunistic coaching conversations. They see it as confrontational. We're here to help you with that. Feel free to reach out if that's you. (laughs) We are here.
1: And here's what I will tell you. If you are struggling with that and you need to reach out, we're not gonna do some little dance where we like teach you how to perfectly phrase words in the ideal way. We're not gonna teach you to be like, when you do blank, I feel blank and I need you to do blank. We're gonna teach you to have actual conversations with people because guess what? Grown-ups do not have a panic attack when you correct a job. If you come to me and said, just so you guys know, you've heard me say it before, I am never my final editor on anything that I do because after I've written and rewritten it a hundred times, I don't even know if there are typos or grammatical errors in there and I don't even care at that point. So I always have someone else come back and look at it. And guess what? I've never cried that there are red circle marks on every single page because she is not correcting me as a person she's saying you needed a semicolon here and not a comma like calm down people there's this belief and it is always what you as the leader are scared of but there is this belief that people are gonna I don't know freak out on you or something or refuse to correct their behavior I'm not even sure why you're hung up on this because all you're gonna do is go to them and say hey, you know what, this may be the way that you set up data in an Excel document in your previous job. Here, we prefer not to use a color-coded system and we go with straight up filtering. This is how I would do it to be more successful when you present it in this company. There's nothing scary about what you just said or what I just said. But you could also, and by the way, My last manager, this is an actual conversation. You could approach it her way instead where she says, you can't even set up an Excel document correctly. I don't even understand why you have all these colors on this thing. What are you even trying to get me to focus on? And when you say things that way, of course, people have a reaction because there is nothing in that statement that suggests that you as a leader are trying to make me better at my job. However, just flip it and say, hey, this might've worked in your last company, but here we prefer to look at our data this way. Let me show you on the first one so you'll get it right in the future. Much different. Have the freaking conversation and quit passing the buck because we all know that you're blaming them when you're debriefing with your boss, when ultimately it's the
0: fact that you're not even talking to them. It's true. Communication is huge. I love Michelle. Michelle, you're on your soapbox so much. You're like, communicate. <laughs> you know what? In the next in the next two years, they're going to see another
1: book called Words Are Hard, copywritten by Michelle Elder. Or is that a registered trademark? Which one is <laughs> it going to be? I don't know yet. It'll be both, actually. Because ultimately, whether it's your personal life, whether it's the employee, whether it is you talking to your supervisor, conflict comes usually from a lack of understanding other people. I'm going to take that back because we know that there's a lot of conflict in the world that comes from evil, but we're not talking about that here, okay? Most conflict comes from a lack of understanding. It ultimately comes from you focusing on the words that you're saying and not how your message is being received. So yeah, I get it. Words are hard. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, I don't appreciate the way you said that to me. I remember the first time an employee said that to me as a leader and I was floored and couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, what should I have said different? But there's a reality that as a leader, It's not about what you say or want. It's about what they need to hear in order to do what they need to do. I get it. Words are hard. We F them up all the time. But if you need help, we're here to help you.
0: However, be prepared to be honest and uncomfortable. I love it. So words of wisdom from Michelle on Quiet Firing. And we will continue providing advice through our podcasts, but we'll continue talking about these buzzwords, right, Michelle? We will. I love a good buzzword. Not. I love a good buzzword. So until the next buzzword, everyone, take care. Bye.